This summer, we get to set down our fear and anxiety and open up to travel and gathering and hugging again. So I know that you and I are going to be spending time outside and getting back to all the activities that make us better versions of ourselves. That's why I've put together a new podcast series for you called Your Upgraded Summer. These are top 10 all-time Bulletproof Radio episodes edited for you in a new way to be only 30 minutes so they work for you when you're spending your time outside. You're going to learn how to improve your nutrition, your sleep, your brain, your gut, your hormones, your immune system, and your energy. And these are the things that people most wanted to hear, the most popular topics. Listen to one, listen to a handful, listen to all 10, but know that you'll be joining millions of people who enjoyed this content the most and asked for more. Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's guest is a remarkable guy. He is, let's see, he was a two-term president of the Board of Directors of the American Heart Association and served on the Board of Directors for the American Society of Artificial Internal Organs and is a renowned cardiologist, a medical researcher, and a New York Times bestselling author who had a 40-year career in medicine where he conducted over 10,000 heart surgeries, developed different life-saving medical technologies, and then decided that he could advocate for lifestyle change to avoid surgeries altogether. You wrote The Plant Paradox. When when I first saw this coming out, I, I was kind of excited because your book is all about how plants protect themselves from being eaten. Some of the thinking behind the Bulletproof Diet is that there's a list of of suspect foods. And one of the big things that makes things like garbanzo beans and bell peppers and and pretty much all grains suspect is the the defense mechanisms that are present in these things. Uh, What led you to go down this path of looking at plant toxins versus all the things you could have done? I mean, you're like like an artificial heart guy. Well, uh... About 17 years ago, uh, my my arc in life was changed uh, very much like yours was. Uh, I was a very prof- famous professor and chairman of heart surgery at Loma Linda University. And a guy from Miami who I called Big Ed uh, was sent to me with inoperable coronary artery disease. All of his blood vessels were clogged up. You couldn't put stents in them. You couldn't do bypasses. And he'd been going around the country to surgeons who take this sort of thing on, and I'm one of those. And he finally got to me, and he'd been going around the country for about six months. Now, this is a very obese guy. And I'm looking at his coronary angiogram, the movie of his heart, and I'm going, you know, I'm really not going to help you. I agree with everybody else. Uh, There's just nothing we're going to do. And he says, well, look, you know, I've been at this for six months. I've gone on a diet. I've lost 45 pounds. And I went to a health food store and I bought this big bag of supplements. I've been taking these supplements every day. Maybe I did something in here. And so I'm looking at him going, well, good for you for losing 45 pounds, but it's not going to change anything here. And I know what you did with all those supplements. You made expensive urine. So anyhow, so this guy, we got another angiogram on him. And I was so impressed that I actually operated on him. And if I'd known what I know now, I would have said, hey, great going. Let's clean the rest out. But I wasn't. I was kind of stupid back then. So after we were done, I said, hey, you know, tell me about this diet and let me look at those supplements. So he starts describing the diet. 
So he's starting to describe this diet. And I'm going, wait, that's that's my thesis. So this is rather poignant because like you, I was a very obese individual. I weighed 230 pounds. I'm 5'10". Uh, wow. I was running 30 miles a week. Oh, <laughs> I going to the gym one hour every day. And, you know, and I, and I could go on any diet known to mankind. You know, the Atkins diet, I could lose 20 pounds and then yeah. gain 25. I had high cholesterol and prediabetes. And I had such bad arthritis that I actually had to wear braces on my knees to keep running. Wow. And I, I got migraine headaches every day. Imagine doing baby heart transplants with migraines. It's not a lot of fun. I was told that this was genetic because my father was almost identical in all his lab works and about the same size. And there was really nothing I could do about it. So I called my parents when I listened to Big Ed and I, they sent my thesis up to me and I put myself on my thesis. I looked in his bag of supplements. I was using a bunch of these supplements intravenously down in the lab to resuscitate <laughs> hearts that had been dead for an hour and then putting them in a bag of ice water for 48 hours, it had never occurred to me to swallow the dumb things. What, like carnitine and things like that? or Yeah, like carnitine, like actually grapeseed extract, oh, yeah. like lipoic acid, like pycnogenol, uh, coenzyme Q10. What led you? I mean, that, that's almost... Almost anathema to your profession at the time. What made you do that? So what I decided to do was turn not only myself, but my patients into an ongoing research project. Because at my core, that's what I do is research. So when I, so I started doing this on myself and I lost uh, 50 pounds the first year. And I've, and I did that on purpose. And then I've subsequently lost another 20 pounds, and I've kept it off now for uh, 20 years. So, so anyhow, I started doing this on patients that I operated on. So uh, I set up uh, an institute in Palm Springs where I asked anybody who wanted to play with me that every three months we'd send their blood work up to the Bay Area, to uh, Virginia, down to Texas, uh, wherever I could find an interesting lab that could give me uh, what are called inflammatory cytokines. And then we started tweaking foods and we started tweaking supplements. And very rapidly, a ton of people with autoimmune diseases started coming to my office. And they'd say, well, what do you know about autoimmune disease? And I go, I don't know anything about autoimmune disease, but I know a whole lot about the immune system because I'm a transplant immunologist and I'm famous for having the longest pig to baboon heart transplant survival, uh, 30 days, um, baboon with a pig heart. So we looked at immune markers and lo and behold, these set of plants came right up on the top of the list. And for instance, our favorites, the grains and the beans, uh, appeared, you know, really very quickly. And 
pr plants have a problem when animals arrived because they couldn't run, they couldn't hide, and they couldn't fight. But as you and I know, they're chemists of incredible ability. Uh, so what they do is they use chemical warfare. And one of their favorite attack mechanisms is the protein lectin. Mm -hmm. And lectins are so beautifully, diabolically designed to wreak havoc on an animal predator. Um, I couldn't have done it better myself. But it, isn't it true that our bodies naturally produce tons of our own lectins? Like all animals are full of lectins. Absolutely true. Lectins are a communication system. And lectins are patterns that turn receptors off and on. So, so we have and our own onboard set of lectins, but plants have other lectins. Correct. Okay. And one of the interesting things is the longer we've been exposed to a plant lectin, the longer we've had to adapt from not so much our genome, but our bacterial genome. So to give you an example, there's lectins in leaves. And a lot of them are fairly nasty, but we're a tree-dwelling ape. Uh, you know, we, we came from tree shrews, so uh, we've been eating leaves for 40 million years. <laughs> and, you know, we share 99% of our genes with chimps and gorillas, and a gorilla eats 16 pounds of leaves every day. And a gorilla has more muscle than we'll ever have, ever dream of, and all they eat is leaves, so... Must be something to it. So, I, I mean, I, I, I believe that paleo recommends way too much protein uh, because it's a terrible fuel source. And um, that said, if, if we ate only leaves, I, I've rarely come across a profoundly healthy vegan. So like there, there's a comfortable middle ground. I'm like, look, just be low to moderate, high quality protein, and you should eat low anti-nutrients of all sources, including lectins. I'm profoundly lectin sensitive. I, I figured this out a while ago. And if I eat one bite of potato, especially the nightshades for me are just kryptonite, but all the greens suck. So if I eat one of those things, I get the upper back pain that I had my entire adult life until I figured this out. It was always along the upper spine. I had arthritis my knees since I was 14. Uh, and so like, I, I would never touch this stuff. My son, who's seven, and they started putting one potato in the soup they make at school. And sure enough, he needs a massage every night in his neck for, for the entire week from that one thing. But my daughter can eat a potato with no effects. Why the difference in responsiveness between two of my own offspring? Like what's going on there? That's a great question. The, the really cool thing is there's usually a family history component. Yeah. Um, and when you do, I do family trees and it, it's fascinating that there's usually, you know, IBS or there was yeah. diarrhea, constipation or lots of hypothyroidism, um, lots of rheumatoid arthritis. But so there, there's clearly a genetic predisposition. And we look at all the markers that are known for autoimmune diseases. And, and clearly a lot of people carry these. There are people who react to these almost instantaneously. So there are people like you and actually people like me um, that react virtually instantaneously. I'm now absolutely convinced that Every one of us is sensitive to the major <laughs> lectins. 
You said something there. So I grew up in New Mexico where green chili, which is a, a member of the nightshade family that's very high in lectins, it's it's soul food. So I, I love this stuff. I, I used to slice habaneros and just put them on whatever I was going to eat and cry when I would eat. And I tell you, I put a little bit of cayenne on my food. My my joint symptoms returned. The symptoms that started when I was 14 and I was diagnosed with arthritis. But my dad, mid-70s, he's had one hip replacement. And I said, Dad, could you just stop eating cayenne pepper and just just try this just for two weeks? And he, he goes, yeah, you know, argues against it and eventually says, I'll give it a try. And he calls me two weeks later and he said, you know what? He said, I don't think I'm going to have to have my other hip replaced. After two weeks of just not eating these things, and he was already avoiding grains and mostly bulletproof, but you know, you can't, you can't give up green chili because that would, it's, it, you know, life isn't worth living without green chili, which is what any New Mexican will tell you. But can you explain Greece? Like I, I went to Greece recently and there was almost nothing. I'll have the fish and like, don't put anything on it because every single vegetable available in Greece is an eggplant, <laughs> uh, a tomato, a potato, or a pepper. Uh, and these are all like super high lectin, nightshade family foods, uh, and, and maybe maybe a grape or something if you're lucky. But why is everyone in Greece not just falling dead from heart disease early on? In fact, the Mediterranean diet is from there. Interestingly enough, the arthritis rate in Italy and Greece and Sardinia is incredibly high. Ah. And it was one of the things, uh, the Sardinians actually have one of the longest lifespans of any, but they actually have one of the highest autoimmune disease rates in all of Europe. And I'm convinced that it's actually these healthy foods that have been blocked by the other healthy foods they eat. Now, you mentioned something about kids with strep throat and antibiotics. That describes me to a T. I was obese as a teenager. I was on antibiotics for more than 15 years every month, a chronic strep throat. But I lived in a basement that had toxic black mold in the walls, which also triggers autoimmunity. What interactions between the autoimmunity or just between lectins and these other poisons made by fungus and in some cases bacteria and water damaged buildings. What have you seen in your practice? Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. There's a wonderful woman. I didn't put her in the book because she's actually a very private individual. What uh, she came to me, she um, was from San Diego and had been building, had bought a house and uh, that was newly constructed. But she didn't know that it was constructed during a lot of uh, wet weather in Southern California. Yeah. She had a ton of toxic black mold uh, in her house and she moved out and she you would know her name because she's come a bit of a world expert 
on uh, toxic mold. She moved out to the desert and she literally could not go anywhere. Uh, she couldn't go to doctor's offices, uh -huh. sense it. So she came to me, she says, you know, I hear you're different. Um, and I said, I'll tell you what, uh, I think the fundamental problem is lectins are sensitizing you, your immune system, to fire at any foreign substance and, you know, to kick ass and take names and we'll figure out who everybody is later. So I said, humor me, take lectins out of your diet and let's see what happens. And sure enough, within two months, she was back all of her immune system activation that I measure was down to normal. And, you know, she says, oh, you're a genius. You know, it was the lectins. I said, well, no, no, no. It, it, you were, the molds were getting you, but it was, you know, I took away the other primary signal. So yeah. your immune system calmed down. Like, how do I know which lectins matter most for me, like you're saying cucumbers, most people tolerate cucumbers pretty darn well. And the overall scheme of lectin-containing foods, I would put them at the bottom of the list. White rice is another one. It's interesting. I, I totally recognize that some people are going to react to cashews. And so I use cashews in the Bulletproof uh, collagen protein bars because you basically need a, a binding agent. And I looked at immune reactivity to nuts. And cashews are one of the lowest nuts. Macadamias are too too oily. You can't use them for that purpose. Otherwise, I would have. It was a it was a tough call because I'm like I'd rather use no nuts so everyone's happy. But I mean almonds. How are almonds from a lectin perspective versus cashews? They're they're pretty nasty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but it's actually the peel of the almond that has the problem. And actually, cashews. It's, you know, it's the outside peel that has the vast majority yeah. of the toxins. And, and so, they're steamed. Like yeah. the, the reason I chose them is that you have to basically cook off the outer layer of the cashew and you're just getting the, the inner thing. It's just like polished rice. But I agree, if someone's really tough on lectins, it, cashews might not be right for you, but man, they're probably one of the better nuts. Or, or, do you agree with that or no? I, it's yeah, okay to I disagree. Mean, the really sensitive folks, the guys mm -hmm. with autoimmune diseases... I can't tell you the number of folks that peanuts and cashews uh, are real problematic. You are one of the top event correlation doctors, as far as I can tell from your thought process. You're saying you, you, when you draw lab panels for inflammation, you don't have to draw a lab panel. All you have to do is wake up in the morning and make a fist. And if you have a harder time making a fist, your grip strength is low, or you have a pain in your feet that you didn't have before, it's a pretty sure sign that you were exposed to something. And it's right. usually a lectin. It was moldy food. It might have been histamine-containing food. It might have been oxalic acid-containing food. It's usually one of those, and it might be something else, but it's usually one of those. Oh, it, or you drank some beer, which had you know, ochratoxin A or something. But like, like, like those are primary things. But if you have no inflammation, you wake up, and your muscles all work really well, your grip strength is strong there's a pretty good, pretty good correlation with no inflammatory markers, at least in, in my experience. And you have a little bit more clinical experience than I do, given that I'm an unlicensed biohacker. But uh, do, do, you, do you buy that, that perspective? Yeah, I, yeah, I do. You know, the, okay. the amazing thing is what, what I want to do, you know, because I'm a researcher, is I wanted to prove this with biomarkers. Well, you have the, the great scientific background, the real medical background. And Correlating this stuff to inflammatory markers is, is really important. 
and also understanding pathways. Uh, so let, let's go to pathways for a little while. And so are we looking at correlations between mitochondrial DNA? This, this is the, the power plant wiring of the body and specific lectin sensitivity? Or are we looking at nuclear DNA, which is like the physical hardware, the walls and the foundation, the meat of your body? Do we know? No, and I, I, I'm actually even more interested in, in bacterial uh, DNA and because, as, as you know, we get all of our uh, mitochondria from our mother. Uh, yep. All mitochondria are female. And they're and all bacteria by origin, right? That's exactly right. They are all bacteria by origin. We, you know, cells engulf them uh, millions of years ago, billions of years ago. And there's a really cool theory, which I ascribe to, that we get all of our initial bacterial load from our mother. Absolutely. She, she craps on us. There's a theory um, that uh, the president of the uh, Microbiota Society has that we get our female bacteria to talk to our female mitochondria, and they actually text message each other. Yeah. And that, they're, that one of the problems with early antibiotics that probably screws this whole thing up is our original female to female connection and no offense to guys our mitochondria are female they're they're not oh, yeah. you know, uh, is that that early connection uh, it gets gets the wires get cut and when a new population of bacteria move in then they don't have the intimate connection uh, to talk to mitochondria so what what I think uh, yes, lectins can target my, mitochondria. There's no question about that. But what I I want to get them closer to the source where I can manipulate mm -hmm. them, and that's in, in our microbiome. And what I want to do is I want to reestablish those connections between the micro, microbiome, a healthy microbiome, and not only our immune system, but mitochondria. So that's where I like to do my hacking. The the text messages, the signals between the gut bacteria and the mitochondria. What's your uh, what's your theory for how that that how that message is sent? And so we've got it all backwards. The cellular membrane is where all the hacks or all the communication goes on, and that's how it happens. So these bacteria uh, produce um, hormone-like substances that enter either our lymphatic circulation or enter our blood, and they then attach to membranes, either the cell membrane, or they're quite capable of passing through the locks in a cell membrane and attach to a mitochondrial membrane. And they exchange information. There's definitely the whole the chemical and hormonal communication that happens. And one of the things that came to light, so to speak, when I was doing the research for Headstrong is the effect of biophotons, where your gut bacteria make 5,000 times more photons than your mitochondria make. And your mitochondria listen to these and send from these things. It's one of the reasons that I'm all over sleeping in a dark room. And in fact, I, I'm going to have to, to talk about these things. I did some research on mitochondria in the eyes. And I don't know if there's a lectin connection here, but I'm asking you. And 
It turns out that 5% of the retinal cells are melanopsin sensors. They have extra mitochondria, but they take light and they don't send it into your visual processing at all. They send it into the SCN in the brain, which controls your daylight cycle. Yep. So what do lectins do for biophotons? What do lectins do for sleep? Like what, what do they do for vision? Like, like, like take me down that road. Okay. So one of the guys I talk about in the book, whose name is Tony, Tony had, um, had uh, alopecia and he had huge white spots on his hands and his arms and some on his face. Michael Jackson had alopecia. Uh, uh, and you mean so, vitiglio or alopecia I mean, or both? Vitiligo. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. I was seeing a patient with alopecia earlier today. Yeah. Vitiligo. Okay. Uh, uh, loss of pigment. And when he went on my program years ago, uh, his vitiligo disappeared. Uh, all of his cells grew back. And he said, so, you know, how, how'd that happen? Now, I could have been, you know, a, a wise guy and said, well, uh, my diet's very uh, anti-inflammatory. And so that's how it happened. And I went, no, 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 that's too easy. So I looked into uh, melanocytes. And melanocytes <laughs> are modified nerve cells. Yeah. Now, the original predator of plants were insects, and lectins were designed to paralyze insects by stopping the communication between nerves. Makes great sense. Mm -hmm. And so I said, wait a minute, these are modified nerve cells and lectins targets are nerve cells. So it was the lectins that were doing this. And fascinatingly, I lost touch with him. And he saw me at a conference about four years ago. And his vitiligo was back. And I said, hey, you know, what's the deal? And he says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm eating sloppy. And I said, well, let's do this experiment. You know, let me give you the, the two-page list again. You know, come come back on it and let's see what happened. And we were just on a panel at Harvard uh, three weeks ago uh, on a wellness symposium, and he was sitting right next to me, and he held up his hands, and they were clear. And he says, I got to tell you, uh, I am living proof that lectins target melanocytes. So I've been fascinated that lectins have the potential to target the melanocyte receptors in our eyes and screw up our deep sleep cycle. Um, yeah. Talk about fertility and lectins. From a plant standpoint, having compounds that interfere with reproduction of your, of your predator would be really high on your priorities. And people say, well, wait a minute, you say that plants think. Well, plants definitely... Um, <laughs> Definitely think, not in the way we think of thinking, but they are sentient beings. And even if they weren't, evolutionary pressures affect plants equal to animals. These guys not only think, but they, you know, the evolutionary pressures are that if you come up with a compound or compounds that either make you less edible, but more importantly, make your predator either leave or die or not reproduce, then that compound will be selected. And they've had 400 million years to do this. And, you know, we've been around 
two million, maybe. Uh, they've boy, practice makes perfect. And the more we realize that you know this has been an ongoing battle from the the day the first insect crawled onto land and said, "Man, this is the Garden of Eden. Look, look at everything there is to eat." And the war started right then. And people have to realize that it's an ongoing battle, and they're really clever. They, they so, are really clever. So, so they're, going, they're going to inhibit fertility for that reason. All right. I, I've got a, a, a hard question for you. If you had to eat a plate of French fries made with potatoes fried in canola oil from a restaurant or smoke a cigarette, which would you do? Uh, I would choose to have neither, but <laughs> I've actually never had a cigarette in my life. So I, Me either. I, I, don't, I don't smoke. I, I, so I, I don't intend to take you up on that bet. <laughs> but, but it sounds like your answer is you would, you would say the lower harm is the cigarette. Correct. Yeah. So I am in agreement with that. Uh, Dr. Kate Shanahan was on, and we did that. And, and okay, you're a former president of the American Heart Association, right? And we all acknowledge smoking is a crappy habit, right? It's just that fried high lectin foods, fried in bad oils, are even worse. And yet we have so many people. Oh, I would never smoke a cigarette, and they're munching on like like death in a little wax paper wrapper. And so I, I'm like, don't do either one either. And, and who knows, nicotine actually has some health benefits in low oh, doses. Gotcha. <laughs> it is true that fasting is a low lectin diet. <laughs> All right, Dr. Gundry, where can people find out more about your work other than picking up your book online or wherever books are sold called The Plant Paradox? So they can go to gundrymd.com. They can sign up for a free newsletter I post tons of recipes on my YouTube channel, and I post tons of blogs. But best place to start is GundryMD.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on Bulletproof Radio. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.